What's up, everybody? Hey, this is officially the last mini man sode of season 10. This has been crazy. I just want to say that it's been it's been a profound honor for me to have any kind of microphone and any kind of platform to speak to you guys. I really try to live my life in a way that, hey, I love God. I love learning about God. I love teaching about God. And I love living a life that reflects that. And then I just happen to have a microphone in my hand and be talking about it. Nothing else about my posture or anything desires a microphone or a platform. And so I just want to say it's been super cool to be able to connect with you guys on that level. I'm definitely not a youth pastor or pastor of any sense, but I just want to let you guys know, like, I am a guy who's made a lot of mistakes. A lot of this is me just going back and saying, what do I wish I would have had when I was 18, when I was 22, when I was 25? What are some of the mistakes that I made and how can I make sure that I'm at least reaching guys who are in that same position who might need to hear the same thing that I know I needed to hear and set you guys up for success. So that's like the foundation. I hope you guys have enjoyed it. You guys feel free. My DMs are always open. Always ask me no matter how small, how big the question is. Hit me up on Instagram at JJ Tomlin and I promise you I will get to your DM when I can. Today, uh, before we jump in, the premise of the episode today is really one thing. I've gotten more and more episodes since we've started talking about pornography, especially. I've gotten a lot of gender neutral, as in like women and men both kind of talking and asking questions. Uh, specifically, if you're a woman, I would definitely guide you to Kate. I think it's a little bit more appropriate for <laughs> the same sex to address issues when it comes to sexual sin and pornography and masturbation. But overwhelmingly, I have this question more and more consistently than ever before. Hey, JJ, I'm currently in a relationship. This is sometimes from the girl and they say something along the lines of we've been dating for X amount of time. And I just found out that he actually is kind of not really or right before dating still struggling with the pornography addiction. And we never really talked about it. We didn't really address it. But it just kind of came out tonight. Uh, What do I do? And then vice versa, I get questions from the guys, which is the exact same thing. Hey, I, I basically the thing is, I didn't quite ever beat or experience victory, like true victory in my addiction to pornography. And now I'm in a relationship. What do I do? And it's a great, great, great question. Really, what you could basically say is, does a porn addiction disqualify me from dating? Is it cheating? And I think those are two very separate. There's actually probably like three or four things that we'll get to in this episode. Uh, But that question alone, is it cheating? Does it disqualify me? What is a porn addiction exactly? You know, those are all things that we have to kind of talk about in three or four separate silos which we'll get into today. What I'm loving lately is I've actually had a lot of success with intermittent fasting. Basically, the way I do it in my life is I try to go as late in the day as possible. I love breakfast, but I actually found I don't need breakfast to function. I just do a cup of coffee or two and I'm good. And I try to usually get to anywhere from 1 to 3 p.m. in the day. And I usually just do a protein shake to start that usually quells any hunger I have. And then what I love about that is it basically frees me up that night 
to go ham on dinner. I can have some dessert. I can have some more protein that night. I mean, I'm like, it is hard to get my protein macro, which is basically for me, it's anywhere from 0.8 grams to 1.2 grams of body weight. So I'm like right at that 200 gram of protein mark, which is really difficult. I really have to double up on the, the protein shakes and make sure that I'm getting it where I can. But, you know, for me, the big thing is for some reason at six to nine o'clock, like my voracious appetite comes out and I just like to have that flexibility to go ham and not really feel guilty about it. So that's a system that works for me. I've been really enjoying it lately. And in my DMs, as far as questions, I think I had a, a great one the other day. This was actually asked verbally to me as well from a school dating student. Uh, hey, JJ, I'm a gift giver uh, in relationships. I, I do know that it's probably an unwise idea to uh, give gifts extravagantly in the beginning, especially if that's my love language and not hers. What do you advise here? And what I told them is, you know, really, this is a good, good, good snapshot. Um, before you even think about her and her love language and if she would appreciate it, I think you have to absolutely deep dive your heart and ask yourself, why do I feel so inclined to give right here? Is anything tied to my gift giving about receiving? And the best analogy for that is if you go into a coffee shop and you have a person behind you, whether it's a cute girl or an old man, doesn't matter, and you say, I'm going to do something nice for them today. I'm going to buy them a cup of coffee. Do you wait around after you buy that cup of coffee uh, when you're filling up your cream and when you're getting your napkins, do you linger an extra 10, 15 seconds so you can get a thank you? No, right? Like the whole point is that you give it and then you kind of walk out pretty fast and run away so that they don't, they don't have the chance to thank you because you're not doing it for a thank you, right? You're just doing it to be kind. And so when you're giving gifts, the first thing you have to do is just double and triple check. Is there anything here where I'm trying to quote, earn affection. I know it feels so good to get those thank you, thank you, thank yous, emojis and everything. But you know, I guess the question is, if she just sent you a thank you with a period and nothing else, would you be disappointed? And that would kind of reveal your expectations and what you kind of hope for in that gift giving. I gave Kate a lot of gifts. I had no expectation. But if anything, I think I probably went a little overboard in the beginning with gift giving. Um, I think if it's under $10, under $15, really thoughtful, you you won't really find any complaints. But even in the small gifts, you can still find yourself kind of hoping and expecting something back. So if you're going to give a gift, just make sure it's absolutely from the right place. And then double check if her love language is not gift giving in any kind of capacity. And you bought her $100 beautiful bouquet of roses. And she's a words of affirmation girl she absolutely would have been like, hey, thank you so much for the roses. But, you know, a simple letter with three things I really like about you would have been way more enjoyable, way more well received. So but I mean, thank you for the flowers. And that's a great example of, you know, the best way to love someone, the best way to give to someone is the way that they want to be loved, the way that they want to be treated, the way that they communicate their love and affection. So that's in my DMs. And today we're going to jump in to the episode. Let's go. Okay. So today, does a porn addiction disqualify me from dating? 
is it cheating? I mean, there's a ton to unpack here. Multiple, multiple things to talk about. Like if you asked me this on on stage in a Q&A, I would just say, you know, my first thing would just be that word disqualify. I would just stop you. My first question back would, would just be this. Hey, what, what qualifies you to date or not? What makes you a quality bachelor or not? What makes you a quality date? What what are your qualifications to date or not? And if you guys want to get a little bit more practical, we did a great episode, lots and lots of awesome feedback. How do you know if you're ready to date? There's four signs. These are more like if I had to go skydiving, you know, you think about like the paratroopers or skydiving school in the military, they're doing like double, triple, quadruple checks. They have a system ready before they jump out of the plane to make sure they're ready to go. That's basically what the four signs, are you ready to date? These are like your four double checks before you jump into dating to to check yourself on. I would just say by far and away though, anytime we get into any kind of qualification conversation about life in general, that is where like the forefront of our mind, our automatic reaction and response as Christian men should be this. Well, there's really not a lot that qualifies me, especially as we get into a a conversation about worth and confidence and like who I am. Really, our confidence is found in one person, and that's Christ and what he's done for us and how he's covered us and how he's transformed us. So if I was to ask you, you know, what qualifies you to date? I would absolutely be listening for the godly humility of posturing that hey, really, you know, JJ himself, like he might have been created to be a certain man in a certain type of way, but left to his own devices and his own flesh and his natural inclinations, that guy is not worth dating in, in himself. He's broken. He's He is broken in every sense. But that guy and how he's been redeemed through Christ and the godly character he can boast in, which is Christ's character in him, taking residence in him, that's what qualifies JJ to be any kind of quality, quote, candidate, any kind of quality partner, spouse, leader. That is like God in him and the redeeming traits in him is Jesus incarnate transforming him. So that's what I would say as far as qualifications and nothing Nothing qualifies us except the covering over us. And that kind of goes into the purity conversation. You know, what gets really dangerous about the qualifications conversation is this. It very, very quickly bleeds into us kind of boasting, like, what are the things that you've done? What are the things that you've performed well in your life? What qualifies you? And, you know, left to our own devices, we immediately go to performance and say, well, you know, I'm a virgin. I make X amount of dollars. Um, I've been really good with boundaries lately. I'm not addicted to porn. Um, I do X, Y, Z, A, B, C. I do these things really well. So therefore, I'm qualified and worthy of your attention, worthy to be dated, worthy of all these things. And you see how quickly we go into a performance, super religious, moralistic evaluation of ourselves to check boxes. And so that's where I'm like, I very much veer back to if you are pursuing God in a godly way, humbling yourself before God, those things that I just kind of talked about, those things naturally happen. And more importantly, we can't boast in them as if we have done them ourselves. We've only been able to do any kind of successful quote thing in our life because it's been gifted to us. 
and because we have a Holy Spirit that resides in us that has been given us the fuel and the strength and the courage to do anything worthy in our life. So that is as far as the qualification and and whatnot. Uh, now we'll get a little bit more into the episode as far as what is the porn addiction signaling. I would say like if you have a porn addiction that's quote disqualifying you from dating, I would say the major thing there is it's not so much about you can or cannot check the box about your porn addiction. It's more about like, hey, what's going on underneath the surface here? Why is there a porn addiction? What are the deficiencies in your emotional, spiritual being that are causing you to have to go to the next best fulfillment of porn to cope with maybe pain, boredom, unworthiness, failure, sadness, loneliness? Like what is the check engine light of your soul signaling by when you have to go to porn? And then we get into this last question is it cheating? Uh, this is going to be really, really fun to unpack. I mean, we're going to get a little practical here. I think as a straightforward answer, there's a reason why Jesus cuts straight to the heart of the matter when he and, and he talks about to the Pharisees who externally could their whole life say without a doubt, I've never cheated and committed adultery, but their hearts were shattered. And you know he was speaking directly to them saying, you might not have committed anything externally, but I know your heart and boy, is it rotten. And I think the last thing that I would probably close on is this. And what we'll talk about today is to what degree are you serious about sin in your life? Like we can we can talk about the practical ramifications of pornography use, how it leads to divorce, the emotional and spiritual aspect of how it's really unhealthy for your brain. But by far and away, the addiction to porn and the struggle with sin should absolutely, as as far as a comparison of what's more important in life, like these practical things are really great to deep dive. And I'm so thankful for studies. I'm so thankful for scientific studies that reflect how porn is quite literally terrible for your brain. These psychiatrists who study a porn addiction within marriage and relationships is absolutely kryptonite. It kills relationship. But more importantly than all of that, I would just ask, like, do you believe that sin has ramifications, major ramifications in your life? Like, does grieving the spirit grieve you? Are you kind of like what we talked about with Josh Broom? Are you experiencing godly sorrow that leads to repentance? Or are you experiencing a manly sorrow that ultimately just feels bad for you, that leads to death? I think that's probably the biggest thing that we miss when we get a little scientific, when we kind of talk about the emotional aspect, the spiritual aspect, these things should all help us understand why pornography is is not good for us, but they all pale in comparison to the spiritual ramifications of what sin does to us in our heart and our soul. It is poison in our soul that leads to death. So we're going to pause there and go ahead and jump into a little bit more of the nitty gritty. So when it comes to pornography and pornography use, somehow there's two camps here as far as like, does it qualify 
you for dating or does it disqualify you if if you struggle with porn? One camp says something along the lines like this. Hey, you know, we all have our struggles and we all have flaws. And you know, JJ, according to the Bible, we know this too. Even Paul talks about it. We're never going to be perfect on earth. So sure, if this is your flaw, this is your weakness, it's it's fine to struggle with this and date. You know, once you once you find that woman who blows you away, who is really just awesome and you get married and you can have sex, it's going to go away anyway. And yeah, it, it's okay. Like you can work through it and it's not a bad thing uh, per se uh, as much as it is just one flaw that you're just going to have to kind of struggle with and you can eventually take care of. Okay, the second camp is a little bit more like this. Hey, the implications of a porn addiction are super serious, especially with lots of research pointing to the practical reality that porn use in relationship literally leads to intimacy disorder, connection loss, loss of trust, and ultimately has a huge correlation with divorce and marriage relationships. What's kind of funny about that is, you know, psychiatrists literally have a word to describe porn use and the intimacy issues it causes in relationship. It's called intimacy disorder. Like that is an effect, a consequence of porn use is they literally have a term now called intimacy disorder because you are unable to hold intimate relationship with anybody. Like it destroys relationship. And I would just say, you know, in response to the camps and one versus the other here, this is not even close as far as a argument or conversation. Like the first camp, I think if you ever hear this, you should genuinely run away or clearly establish that this is not a resource I ever want to hold in high regard in my life that I ever want to follow. It is so clear of an example about relaxing the degree of righteousness and holiness that we are called to pursue in our lives as Christians. And that is one of the greatest things the enemy could ever get us to do is relax the standard. Oh, is that righteousness? Do you really need to be righteous? Like, aren't you covered by grace? Uh, You're called to holiness. Are you sure? Like, you're going to be sanctified, you know, when you're in in heaven anyway. There's, There's no real need. It's not that urgent for you to pursue holiness while on earth. That is, that's exactly what happened in Genesis getting us to second guess what God's clear command and direction is for our life. Are you sure he really said don't eat the fruit? Are you sure that's that's what he meant? Why don't you go ahead and relax a little bit? And even then, I would say in that second camp, if you guys listened to that and we hit on it earlier, I would say even the second camp misses the mark here completely. Practical reality aside, this addiction and others, any habitual sin in our life, they are the absolute kryptonite to a thriving, deep, growing, intimate relationship with God and community. So there's a third camp here. And it's, hey, I know that the research and everything, the practical reality of a porn addiction is, is not great, but most important is that I realize that this sin in my life is killing my relationship with God and it's killing my relationship with community. 
And so not only is it, you know, the porn addiction a killer for my dating relationship, but it's a killer of relationship, period. And that's why I need to take it more seriously than I ever have before because it's killing my relationship. And you should be really scared of where that road goes and what you miss out in the in the interim. Um, and I say that completely out of a place of, hey, I've been there and I've missed out on God's goodness. I've been drugged through the mud and just through the just wasteland of absent relationship because of pornography. Like it kept me in a closet, beating me up in shame, in the prison of shame. And so when I say something like this, don't get it twisted. I love you men and I love you so much that I am like trying to be vulnerable and transparent and just let you know like there is so much better for you in this life than to be killed and drugged down in the prison of shame of porn. There's so much more. There's so much more community. There's so much more richness in your relationship with God and it will only continue to hinder you if you don't take this seriously. And so that's what I would say. And as far as qualifications for dating, the only thing that qualifies you, like we talked about, is the blood. And really, if you want to be qualified to date, here's your litmus test. The capacity that you are ready to date is the degree that you are ready to date should equate to the degree that you are completed, whole, and satisfied in God, meaning you have no need for nothing else. You don't need to get married in that sense. You might be wrestling through that. There is space for that. You might be trying to figure out why has it not happened yet, God, on your timeline, and there's space for that. But you will be most qualified and ready for a relationship when you are most satisfied and content in God. That's James 1.4 for me. You have need for nothing. James 1.4 says, and let endurance have its perfect result and do a thorough work so that you may be perfect and completely developed in your faith, lacking in nothing. So I'm like, man, what an awesome snapshot of endurance. Endurance. Let endurance have its perfect result and through a thorough work so that you can be perfect and completely developed, mature in your faith, lacking in nothing. I'm so satisfied in my faith that I lack nothing. And after the wrestling, after the doubt, after the pain, after the disappointment, I have found endurance and character, maturity and completeness. And that's what qualifies you. That's If you want to know, that is the most qualified person to date, the person who can say that. And then as we dive into the addiction, and we had a great episode with Matt Droget on this, he says something that's so profound and so good, and you hear this more and more in circles about teaching and pornography. If you haven't heard it yet, the addiction to pornography, Craig Groeschel says something for anxiety. You know, these issues in our life, these deep emotional, spiritual issues, they don't mean that you're a failure. They just mean that you're human, and they also are the check engine light for your soul. If you're experiencing anxiety, if you're experiencing an addiction to pornography, those problems in itself are problems. 
But there's a greater issue here. There is a check engine light for your soul that's saying something is not okay. And, you know, for the pornography issue, this this is an intimacy issue, meaning you resort to pornography when you are feeling some sort of way. It's an emotional trigger. There's depression, there's sadness, there's numbness, there's failure. The dating relationship that you might have entered into might be a temporary fix and might have replaced and fulfilled that emotional desire and need that you were trying to fill, but that will only last so long. That's why it's profoundly important to resolve and win before relationship, before dating relationship in singleness, because you never really address the root. You might have temporary victory. You might have a temporary, you know, one or two, three, four, six months where you maybe haven't been quite as tempted or resorted to pornography. But if you never address the root, it's kind of like if you were gardening and you have this massive thorn bush in the middle of your garden, right? It's suffocating plants, all your favorite fruits and flowers, everything. This beautiful garden is just starting to be eclipse with what started small and has grown and grown through years and years. And it's just absolutely destroying life all around it. Well, honestly, I would say that relationship with a beautiful, godly woman, like my best analogy here is it sure it serves as a great temporary fix. Like it's a it's an awesome weed eater and as a awesome super sharp pair of cutters. And you can chop down that bad boy and, hey, that weed is gone. Like, I don't see it anymore. Are the other, you know, plants around it are growing. Um, I'm good. But if you never address that root, that emotional and spiritual root, that thorn bush is still going to be intact. And that's why I'm so, like, a lot of guys hear this and they're maybe off put. This is why I'm so against behavior modification in every sense. It's glorified, there's results, and yet it's futile because you never address the root. And so short-term, long-term, really, you know, these are matters of the heart and soul first. And then from there, our behavior should change and be transformed. And if we never do that, then guess what? Then we never change. We never truly change. We might change our behavior, but our heart and soul is still in the exact same place that it was. And it might find another pattern. It might surface somewhere else. We might self-destruct in another way. But that's why it's so important to tackle the heart and soul root of these issues. And if going to pornography, for example, is your coping mechanism before relationship, well, guess what? Like You're going to experience failure, conflict, discouragement in your relationship. And that's only going to serve as a greater trigger. Like it really is. And you can try to perform and will yourself into position. But habits and coping mechanisms, they don't just disappear. They can only be replaced. So I would ask in the past, right now, you know, say it's been a little while and you haven't looked, what what was it signaling for you? What is the check engine light of your soul communicating to you? And if you men, and I'm with you here, like we have to deep dive these wounds 
or we will always suffer in our ability to connect and have healthy relationship. That's why it's such a massive deal on all fronts. And this is where I would point us, you know, any guy, including myself, who's been addicted to porn, this is where I would point to this idea of sobriety versus recovery. Man, this is so good. Sobriety versus recovery regarding a porn addiction. And this is one of my favorite places to camp. You see, sobriety is the stopping of a destructive habit or behavior. It's, hey, cold turkey, I'm leaning on practical tools, accountability, or software. These are great tools to help supplement the sobriety, the kicking, the quote, habit. Recovery is quite literally the recovering of what you lost, meaning in any kind of drug use, addiction use, alcohol use, this means, hey, moving forward, I want to be doing things differently. I want to be relating differently. And this long-term process means I'm recovering and getting back to what I lost. And what did you lose? Well, I think I lost the ability to deeply and intimately connect. I think I lost some self-worth. I think I lost some healthy relationships. Shame kept me so trapped for so many years. I think I lost the ability to be vulnerable. You see, you can learn a lot about somebody based on their recovery, not their sobriety. And we often confuse the fruit of sobriety, the behavior modification with recovery. It's not the same thing. So I think, man, I hope that encourages you to stop and pause and ask yourself, what did I lose? What did I lose? And to start on that road to recovery, here are two major keys. One, you have to be brutally honest. Brutally honest. If you haven't listened, go listen to Josh Broom. When he talks about his past, about where he was, about the addictions, he lays himself down on the chopping block, the chopping block of vulnerability. And he is so honest about it and where he was at and where he is at. And you have to be brutally honest about where you are, how it is truly affecting you, and the details matter. Why? Because the degree to which you are honest is the degree to which you can heal. So when you have that accountability partner, when you're coming out about it for the first time, it's not, hey, yesterday, last night, I uh, I slipped up, you know, and I messed up. It's, hey, look at me. Last night, I it started on Facebook. I saw an attractive picture of a girl that I knew from high school. Uh, I went over to Instagram and I lingered on a couple pages on my explore page and clicked into that I shouldn't have. And I went from there to their OnlyFans account. And I, it, you know, it was a two hour escapade from there. And I really messed up and I'm, and I feel terrible about it. And my conscience is killing me. And I know there's so much more for me. And, and I hope that accountability partner, or you can listen to this is saying one thing, Hey, listen, God 
loved you more in that moment than any other moment. There is nothing you could do in that moment and in this moment to shed or decrease the love of God. And there is grace for that mess up. Now, I appreciate you so much for opening up. What are we going to do here moving forward to make sure that this doesn't happen? What do you need from me to make sure? Do we need a journal together? Do we need to go over the triggers together? Do you want to talk about that with me? Do you want to take some time, 24 hours to journal about it? And then you come back to me tomorrow and we have coffee. Like that is the degree that we have to learn how to be serious and honest. And guess what that leads to? Number two, I love this because it naturally leads to something like this. You are learning how to reconnect. You are learning how to reconnect. You are quite literally retraining your brain and your spirit on how to reconnect with God and other human beings. And that is through honesty and vulnerability. You know, those two ingredients are a a magical concoction for reconnecting in relationship, which is this. You are coming back to reality and you're communicating reality, which the addiction and that life in the hidden was unreality. And this takes a ton of courage. One of the big things of reconnecting is learning how to regulate emotion and communicate emotion, you know, using words past, I'm sad, I'm angry, you know, really getting in depth and communicating your emotions and feelings. That's a massive component. Another one is being able to be in uncomfortable, vulnerable, painful conversations. And that's foreign for us. And what do we do? Historically, when we were in those uncomfortable, painful, hard moments, especially alone, what do we do? We turn to an escape. With pornography, it's an escape. And so now, and what takes a ton of courage is saying, hey, I am uncomfortable. This is painful and hard, but I'm not going to run away. I'm going to embrace these feelings. I'm going to embrace this situation. I'm going to find a person to talk to. I'm going to be courageous and I refuse to just escape. I'm not going to escape anymore. You know, the most manly saying ever, I'm going to grab the bull by the horns, my feelings, and I'm going to learn how to communicate them vulnerably. And that's a huge part of growing and maturing is learning how to have courage, regulate emotion and stay in that fight. And lastly, this is one of my favorite questions in the whole world, because I went to YouTube, I went to Reddit, uh, I read a lot of secular conversations and roundtables, and I was so disappointed. I was so sad when I would hear these answers that are so quick to say and defend that no, no, porn is not cheating. And they would say something along the lines of, because you're not actually committing physical infidelity. And more importantly, there's, there's no, you know, there's no relationship. And lastly, I would never do that in person and in real life. Like it's just a fantasy world where it's, you know, it's not really cheating. And man, this like, it broke my heart. It broke my heart. And my question for them would honestly be this. How is it not cheating? How is this not devastating to a relationship and cheating? Let's go this way. By your 
rules that you guys just set right there, how far can we go with not cheating? Just because there's no physical contact and physical relationship. Okay, let's let's do this. Sexting. Sexting with a, a coworker or my wife's best friend. As graphic as it gets, all the way sexting. Is that cheating or not? Well, you're not actually physically committing infidelity. Oh, but there's a relationship, right? So there's, oh, okay. So that's cheating because there's a relationship. Porn, you have to keep in mind there is no relationship and it's not real life. You know, I would never do that in person and, and that's quite real. Okay. Well, first of all, yeah, sexting, you know, with my wife's best friend would obviously be cheating. Okay. Uh, but because there's a relationship, there's a component. Okay. Um, sexting with a stranger. How's that? Is that cheating? There's no relationship. I found them over a, a random internet venue. I'm sexting with a stranger. It's a human being. We don't have any contact. There's no relationship whatsoever. Is that not the same? <laughs> Is that not cheating? That's cheating. I think anybody would would condone that as cheating, okay? Because it's a human being, right? And that's a real person. Okay, and porn is not? Okay, let's go further. Sexting and an emotional affair with an AI bot. Is that cheating or not? Um, Well, it's not a real person. Okay, well, <laughs> you're committing the same acts. You're having the same conversation. There's an emotional component and relationship just because it's not a human being doesn't mean there's not a relationship. You can have relationships with objects, with people, with idols, with anything. Okay? But there's sex involved. And I think the sex is what, you know, would make it cheating. Okay? There, well, there's sex involved with pornography. You see how slippery this goes? I mean, these are the same people that would absolutely, hey, uh, there's a reason why we have the term emotional affair. <laughs> emotional affairs with coworkers. And to what degree? Okay, well, you're sharing the most vulnerable stuff about your life, your spiritual struggles, your sex issues with your coworker, and you're talking about it and going very in-depth and they're giving you advice. That's absolutely an affair in cheating, right? Because there's no sex involved. You're not physically committing anything, but you are crossing the bounds of relationship, right, that you've agreed to with somebody, it's totally inappropriate. No one needs to have a conversation with their wife and spouse saying, hey, just to make sure we're establishing that this is the line of relationship that we're not comfortable going in depth and having emotional affairs with coworkers and people like, I just want to make sure we're on the same page. Nobody has to define that, right? Because we all know what the laws of relationship are. Okay. And this is where as you get into this conversation of is it cheating? If there's one area of my life that I never, ever, ever want to relax on, that I want to have unclear where I'm choosing this over my wife's preference, it's in the area of cheating. I mean, like DMing a girl with a flirty text or vice versa. Like I would say that's absolutely cheating in, in a lot of ways. I just think you're anytime you're crossing the bounds of relationship, and what's healthy and respectful for something for you to get something out of another person that is intended for your wife or your relationship with your significant other, I think that's cheating. 
Because why why else would you DM a girl with a flirty text and a fire emoji? What are you trying to get out of that situation? And I just think that as you guys can see here and what I tried to demonstrate is where is the line? You can obviously all see where it's it's so futile to try to draw a circle of relationship. And then when it comes to pornography and masturbation, we try to kind of jut the whole fence all around to encompass it. And it doesn't make sense. It doesn't fit within the bounds of relationship. The sharing of a sexual orgasm, the lusting after, the melding, as we know after this season, the melding of your spiritual and emotional being to an object, an AI, a digital picture, a actual human being on the other end. Like, how is that not cheating in every capacity? Like, how is that okay at all? That is not just betrayal to yourself, but it's betrayal to, like we talked about, God, first and foremost, your partner in so many ways, and yourself. And so when it comes to cheating, I just don't understand how this is not taken with such high regard. You know, you hear a lot in the church, men coming out with porn addictions, and I've heard both, like women quick to say, you're cheating on me with this person. And I would say, you know, to a large degree, they're correct. And, you know, what's so funny about divorce is if you're inciting the breaking of vows, well, the reality of marriage is your partner breaks their vows with you every day. If you use the logic of Jesus, which is if you lust in your heart, you've committed adultery. If you commit anger towards someone in your heart, then you've committed murder. And so when we go by the compass of our heart, which is the whole point of Jesus and his teaching is the, it's the heart, not necessarily the external actions, then yes, it's cheating. And yes, you break your vows to your spouse basically every day. Like you go back on your vows all the time. And so when it comes to divorce, you know, we're, we're not about to get into this, but I would just say like the worst thing we could ever do for a marriage is to start to justify these kind of patterns or behaviors. I had a conversation with a man the other day who is going through divorce and he claims to be a strong Christian man. And we started talking about pornography and his addiction that had gone on for years and years and years. And by the end of the conversation, do you know what he was doing because of the position he was in and his wife who was divorcing him for much more than just a addiction to porn, but because that was working against him, he was literally defending it <laughs> tooth and nail. I've never heard someone defend pornography as a Christian until that moment because it was working against them and he was trying to justify sin. And anytime we get into that moment in our life, man, we've lost more than just that battle. We, we've lost a, an overall war of perspective of sin in our lives and the tenacity and the degree that we are called to take it seriously. And that's where the most loving thing I can do for men is point you guys not to the practical reality of sin and habitual sin in our life, but the spiritual reality and the consequences and ramifications of habitual sin, quiet sin, undealt with sin in our life. It, it by every accord in the Bible and the emphasis we see over and over and over is it leads to death. It leads to destruction. And the most loving thing we can do is highlight that 
and saying, hey, this is so much more than your dating relationship, your marriage. This is your soul on the line. Your soul is on the line. So I'm sorry, but we got to be blunt and we got to be honest. And I say it a million percent out of my heart and soul. I love you, bro. And we got to, we got to, we got to take this seriously. Like there's just way, way, way too much at stake. So I love you guys. I hope, you know, this was the opposite of you feeling shame about your sin. There is nothing but bona fide grace for you to come out and talk about it. I would love for you to find a man to talk about it with. Use this as your spark, your catalyst to go talk to another guy about it, another woman about it. Like, don't squander this opportunity and just say, I'll, I'll get to it when I'm ready, when I feel like I'm in a better place. This is the perfect time. Don't fall for the trap of the enemy of procrastinating it. Don't fall for the trap of saying you'll, you'll take care of it when it's worse. Do it now. Run, 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 run. Okay, guys, I love you all so much. Have a wonderful weekend. This was an awesome season. We got some awesome things planned for season 11. You guys, I think I won't be talking to you again until maybe the summer. I think it's like going to be August july i think it's gonna be july so i'm really gonna miss you guys in the meantime my dms are wide open for you don't hesitate to stay in touch i love you all have a wonderful wonderful summer and i'll talk to you guys soon bye